going to record Recording at this moment. Recording in progress. <coughs> so, um, as I said, I want to encourage you once again to get your Bibles. Um, I showed I showed us this uh, example of a corporate prayer meeting. I hope that in, it spurred us. I know it spurs me to want to go deeper in the Lord and to have more of His power. I don't want to walk in my power. I don't want to walk in my strength. I want to walk in the grace of God. I want to walk in in His ability, not mine. Um, but with that said, I want to talk to us, as I've mentioned already, corporate prayer. And I just have a number of reasons, uh, a number of points that I want us to identify um, for for reasons why we would want to give ourselves to corporate prayer because as i've as i've spoken um on many occasions already about the importance of of just secret prayer and our personal time with the lord and as good as that is because the bible does tell us that there is a <clears throat> a need for private an individual prayer. Jesus tells us this in Mark chapter, uh, Matthew chapter six. He says, "When you pray, uh, go to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly." So we know to begin with that all successful corporate prayer or leading in corporate prayer will always stem from the success. And when I success, I don't mean that in a business way. But I mean the the strength of our corporate prayer will always be stemmed from and rooted in the 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 strength of our private praying. If we fail if we fail in public, it's because we're failing in private. And so, um, that's the that's for beginners. That's for starters. We have to um, be praying in private. There's no there's no other option. But I want to give us eight reasons that corporate prayer is is important. So number 1 is corporate prayer unifies the body of Christ. And I want us to turn to Romans chapter 15 verse 6. Once again, point number one is that <clears throat> corporate prayer unifies the body of Christ. In fact, as you're turning there to Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 6, um, this is actually one of Jesus' prayers in John chapter 17. He, he prays that we as the church would be one even as him and the Father are one. And so he places a high priority on unity. In fact, when we look in Acts chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, but when we look at Acts chapter 2, we find that as they were praying in one mind, in one accord, that the Spirit of God came. And they were doing this for 10 days. So prayer, because here's the thing, we can't, we can't pray in the flesh. So you have to pray by the Spirit. And those who attempt to pray by the flesh, they'll stop coming to prayer meetings. Because <laughs> they're like, I'm not, I don't, there's no point in me doing this. There's no, if, if they're living in the flesh, they're going to see soon that there's no pro- profit in the flesh, and so therefore they will cease to come. 
So, but those who are walking in the Spirit and who, who long to pray by the Spirit, they see, man, there's a, there's a great spiritual prophet in doing this. And you can't be in the Holy Spirit and, and be disunified from the body of Christ. And so, as you're walking in the Spirit, the person who is walking in the Spirit seeks to do those things which please the Spirit. And the things that pleases the Holy Spirit is that we would strive for peace and unity with His own people. And so Romans chapter 15, verse 6 says this, um, <coughs> May the God who gives endurance and encouragement, I just want to say, just stop there real quickly. I'm thankful to the Lord that the Bible is telling us that our God is the God of encouragement. He's not a God of discouragement. He doesn't seek to discourage people and he doesn't motivate us by discouragement. But may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see there that Paul is expecting us to have the same attitude of mind. And what, what is that attitude? We see in Philippians that Paul says this. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, though being in the form of God, did not think it, uh, think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He says, He took upon him the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to the glory of God the Father. That Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The point though there in Philippians is that the mind that was in Christ Jesus was a mind of humility. And the mind of humility, that is the attitude of mind that we are to have, is, is the attitude of humility. And as C.S. Lewis said, he says, Humility isn't to think less of yourself, it is to think of yourself less. So once again, it's not to think less of yourself. Like, oh, it's me, I'm so, I'm just a wretched worm, and oh, poor me. You know, that's actually, a lot, a lot of that is hurt pride. A lot of that is hurt pride, it's hurt ego. And that's, it's not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less. Because the people that are very ego-driven only can think about self. I'm sure you've had those conversations before. The person that's always trying to one-up you, they always have to inject themselves in the conversation. And like, it might be your birthday. And they're like, oh yeah, man, I remember it was just my birthday. And it's like, really? I'm talking about my birthday. Like, of all days, come on, just give me one day where we can focus on me. You get what I'm saying? And the person happens to like, ring it all around like yeah i remember it was my birthday yeah it was cracking it was you know all that nonsense it's like that's not cool man and so they can't stop thinking of themselves <coughs> but he says let's just have the same attitude of mind toward each other so there's there's an each other there involved that that means there's a company there's a group there's a plurality you know the people that say that i can i i don't i'm not I don't seek to be a part of a fellowship or a part of other brothers and sisters. Um, they're not. They're not humble. 
and they may even they may even sound like they're very humble but they're not because they don't want to do anything with anybody and so paul paul jesus the lord they don't allow us to to have any leeway here they're very clear that we have to do things with each other and he says so that so in other words you have to have this attitude of mind but for what for what reason to what goal are we trying to get with or what goal will we fail to arrive to if we don't have this attitude of mind love and humility and unity and peace he says that um we with this same unity attitude of mind that with one voice you may glorify the god and father of our lord jesus christ what do you mean with one voice we all have different voices the point that he's trying to make is that yes we have distinct voices but we are basically supposed to be saying the same thing and what corporate prayer helps us to do <clears throat> is as there is a corporate gathering that's led there are certain things that are prayed for and the things that are prayed for and all the people in that congregation are coming in agreement to then it can be said there is one voice and one voice comes from one mind right and that mind supposed to be the mind of Christ and the mind of Christ is revealed from the scriptures so we are to pray from the scriptures which is the revelation of the will the heart the intentions of God and as we utter things that are in accord with his will in prayer as 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 corporate gatherings are because here's the thing you can't have 50 people all praying different things like all at once oh you know I pray for my car and I pray over here for this nation I pray over here that's why it's good to have one leader and obviously there there's 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 potential there's a you can break down into like uh, semi groups within the larger group as 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 is uh directed by by whoever's leading the corporate gathering unity has to be coherent and and if there is a single drive of saying look church uh we're praying for all the widows in our church or we're praying for all of our lost um uh loved ones and and so direction is given and and the mind begins to focus on in on that direction and begin with one voice praying for the same thing and as you continue to do that guess what you get outside of yourself you're practicing to be selfless you may not have wanted to pray that when you get to the to the uh hold on am i losing connection recording in progress and so as we're praying corporately you may not have wanted to come to that corporate gathering to to want to pray whatever is being prayed for at in, in that gathering but as you do that and you come in agreement with that you lose you you become more selfless because you're you're exiting outside of yourself you're exiting outside of your desires and your intentions and you're inclining towards praying for whatever is being prayed about in that gathering and so um it helps us to practice selflessness and so uh, once again the point uh number one point is to that the the uh there's importance in corporate prayer meetings for the purpose of unifying the body of christ and so um 
we we want to unify the body of Christ, and and one of the, one of the ways that we achieve that is through corporate prayer meetings. Um, <clears throat> number two is corporate prayer edifies and encourages those who participate. Okay, and so if you turn to Hebrews chapter ten verse twenty five. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 again uh, point number two is that corporate prayer helps to edify and encourage those who participate um, but if you look at verse 25 in chapter 10 of the book of Hebrews he says this oh actually beginning of verse 24 let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so, the writer of Hebrews is is making the point that meeting together helps to encourage us on. Uh, Hebrews chapter ten. Hebrews chapter 10, actually uh, verses 24 through 25. 24 through 25. So he's making the point to say that as we gather together, guess what that does? It helps to encourage us onward. And he also says this, he says, exhort, I think, I forgot which chapter he says this in, but it's in the same book. But he says, exhort one another daily, he says, lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so, when we gather together, guess what that's helping us to accomplish? It's helping us to prevent our minds becoming hardened and deceived by sin. Amen. And and the, the antidote to that is the encouragement in truth. The, speaking the truth in love and speaking the truth with the heart of encouragement. And that helps us, to, helps to spur us onward. And so that's true not only for public preaching in the, in the church, but it's true also for praying together. <coughs> because as the Spirit of God comes and He ministers to His people... And, and in fact, many of the things that will be prayed for, if it's in accord with the scriptures, the Holy Spirit will say amen to. The Holy Spirit inside of you will take delight in that corporate gathering. And that, that's, that's how you know you're becoming a spiritual person, is that your flesh is telling you something, but you're, you're yielding to the Spirit because He's saying, look, I'm enjoying what's going on there. You may feel tired. You may feel maybe hurt uh you may feel like you're going through severe trials in the moment but the holy spirit in you is alive and he operates on his own system and he doesn't get depressed he doesn't get tired he doesn't get all those things and so you have a voice of truth in you telling you something different than what your soul and what your flesh is telling you and so what he's telling us, according to Hebrews 10 verse 25, is don't, fors- don't forsake the gathering. And he says this, even as early as the early church, he says, 
there are people who are in the habit of doing this. You know, you know, some things show pop up, and you know, you may not be able to make every uh, meeting. That's understandable, but the point, though, he's saying here, he says these people are making a habit of doing this. They just don't care, and uh, that's. That's S-I-N. It's called sin. <laughs> and guess what? And I say this with sorrow, is that those people don't last long. They don't last long because eventually they become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will come in and begin deceiving them. And it began deceiving them the moment they said, I don't need to meet with anybody. Um, <clears throat> number three is corporate prayer disciples believers in prayer you know <laughs> um you know it's funny because some brother sometime back who loved to argue with me um he just uh, he's on facebook he lives in my hometown and uh he's like and he loves talking theology and it was funny <laughs> i posted on my instagram i seen this on facebook it was a um I don't know what it was. It was like a form of like, like uh, you know how there's automated responses on text. Like if you text certain organizations, it comes with an immediate automated uh, text. Well, and and it showed a lot of people who get like regular DMs, and like there was an automated text. I think it says to conversate with me, pay twenty five dollars, and 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 I, I I put that on my story saying. Anyone who wants to have fruitless uh, theological talks with me but don't want to be discipled, this is what I'm going to put. Like, who don't want to be a disciple but just want to talk about theology all day and do nothing. You know, it's like, well, okay, we'll talk theology, but here, pay $25 to conversate with me. Otherwise, leave me alone. And um, But it was funny because he reached out to me saying, hey, we should pray together. I was like, okay, well... You can come to my house and uh, uh, we might pray like a good two hours. I just want to let you know, never contacted me again. <laughs> well, he was telling me, he's like, the Lord wants me to grow in prayer. So I feel like I need to contact you. I'm like, okay, well, I just want to give you a heads up. We might be praying a good two or three hours. Just to let you know, never heard back from <laughs> It's expected. And I'm not trying to, you know, sound boastful or anything about that. But my point in mentioning mentioning that, <coughs> a, a lot of people who especially, I, I've come across a lot of them who read the Bible often, who know good theology, might have even go to, gone to Bible school. They, they, they so often think they know more than they actually do. And because they, they, they have to compensate for their lack of character and their lack of spirituality by storing up more intellect knowledge. And so they're, since they're deficient in these other areas, they just focus on the head. And it's really easy to focus on the head because all you have to do is read and store up facts, and that's not difficult. Um, so a lot of those people I've come across, they, they love talking really good. And I'm like, okay, well... Uh, you know, you want to go evangelize with me? I've 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 suggested uh, to a lot of them. You want to go with me to abortion clinics and save babies? Do you want to come to my house and we'll intercede for 
you know, a good amount of time? Do you want to go on prayer walks and come against the demonic realm? Do you, do you want to do those things? They never respond back. And it's, it's sad to me because it's like, don't be talking all of that. If and, and I'm not trying to, you know, make people feel intimidated by these very uh, intimidating invitations like, hey, come and do this stuff with me. But it's like, don't, I would encourage them not to talk so loud and and try to feel like they're dominant if they're not willing to humble themselves and say, look, man, this is really where it's at. And where it's at is making a difference for the kingdom. And um, But anyways, I wanted us to turn real quickly to Luke chapter 11 to show you. <coughs> yes, it's, it's a lot of... Um, yeah, a lot of head knowledge, and um, and obviously there's nothing wrong with head knowledge. I'm not one of those people to, that would suggest like, hey, let's just become dumber and know less things, and that makes us more godly. It doesn't make us more godly. Um, we want to know things, but we don't want it to stop there. You know, I like to call it analysis paralysis. Like there's so much analyzation, analyzing that you actually become paralyzed by all that you know. And and Paul says this, they're ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, Luke chapter 11 verse 1 through 2. It says, and, and once again, the point number 3 is corporate prayer disciples believers in prayer. And the, the reason why I brought up those guys is because um, not everybody actually knows how to pray well. And there is there is a good way of praying. There is a an mature way of praying. There is a seasoned way of praying. And not everybody, the people who arrive there by themselves, if they do, are very exceptional people. Um, normally, you, you have to be taught. And this is what it says here in the scriptures. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. So... We see he was praying, right? That that much is sure. And it says, When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So obviously they were close enough with Jesus to see that he was praying. So that implies that he was praying with his disciples. So that's a corporate prayer meeting that they were giving themselves to. You know, um, and so... Um, they may have been attempting to pray, and then seeing the way Jesus was praying is like, "Yo, we need. Why is our praying look like this? Or why do we? Why we find it so difficult? Or I don't know what their thinking was, but whatever it was, they said they looked at Jesus and said, "We need to pray like that." And and I would I would say this too. My assumption is that they also looked at the results that Jesus had obtained. Amen. My, my assumption is that Jesus was praying about these things corporately. For example, let's say Jesus was saying, Father, may there be ten souls that come to repentance today. And they've seen ten souls come to repentance. They're like, whoa, this is yielding results. Otherwise, why would the disciples have... Uh, an incentive or a desire to even begin to ask Jesus this because they were Jews. They were well familiar with their Jewish prayers, but there was a disconnect in results. There was a disconnect there. 
Because Jesus, on the other hand, was actually connecting with the fathers. There's this hymn. It says, I often say my prayers, but do I ever pray? And does my heart go with the words that I say? I might as well kneel down and pray to gods of stone than to offer to God a prayer of words alone. That is to say, if I'm just merely offering up word prayers, as Jesus describes in Matthew chapter 6, heaping up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, because you can pray with empty phrases, without anointing and without the heart and without fervor. You can pray those form of prayers, and it amounts to nothing. And um, like Leonard Ravenhill said, he says, God don't answer prayer. He answers desperate prayer. And I, I think, you know, Leonard Ravenhill had a, a tendency to be to be hyperbolic. That means he, he exaggerated a lot, a lot of hyperbole, a lot of stretching, you know, to, to make a big point. And, um, <clears throat> and so I say that because obviously we're not desperate 24-7. So even if we find a lack of desperation in our hearts, I do believe God will hear us. But the point, though, is this, is that in every, in, in every situation, we want to make sure that our heart is fully in our praying. That's why I'm not trying to make myself as a point of reference for the sake of boasting or anything like that. So please hear my heart. But I, I, um, I only make myself as a reference because I practice it is... Um, before I pray, like even before we're about to preach, uh, before I'm about to give a message, I allow my heart to sense my own frailty, my limitations, and my weaknesses. The reason why I do that is because I want to pray from my, I want to pray from my lack. Because God invites us to pray and to come to Him because he alone is the one who can supply the lack. And I need to have that as an internal reality. Because if it's not an internal reality to me, then I'm only heaping up empty phrases to him. I need to see myself as desperate. I need to see myself as weak. I need to see myself as incapable of doing even the simplest tasks for him. Because I need to come to him as he has prescribed for me here in the Holy Scriptures. And it is this, to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers for all the saints. Ephesians 6. But why would I be motivated to pray on all occasions? Because in every occasion I see that I need His anointing, I need His power to infuse me, to do what He alone can do through me. And that's what constitutes for gold in the kingdom, is the only thing that constitutes for gold is Christ working through us and in us. And He only comes in response to the needy heart that says, Lord, Apart from you, I cannot do anything. I need you. Breathe upon this, that you may yield fruit through me. Because many people are works-based, not fruit-based. Fruit-based is rooted in Christ. Works-based is rooted in the flesh. And all of that will be burnt up. Um, <coughs> but my point, though, is number three, is corporate prayer disciples believers in prayer. And so... I have the honor and privilege to say that I was discipled in prayer the day of my salvation when I had encountered an amazing revival. As I'm sure you guys have seen the video, um, I, I reminisce on it. I'm very nostalgic. 
and and you know I recollect those those memories often because it was where the Lord saved me obviously but it, it, I hold it dear to my heart because I've seen God uh, accomplish many things by His Spirit. You know, the second day I got saved, I laid hands on someone, they got healed. And and so I, I was already seeing fruit, not because I was such a knowledgeable person, but because God had revealed Himself mighty and strong to me. He revealed His glory and His might. And it was in that birth chamber of revival that I experienced firsthand what it looks like for God to come upon a gathering. And ever since then, I have ached and I've yearned to replicate that in my private time of prayer. That's why, okay. that's why that this is a reoccurring topic because I'm, because you can store up Bible knowledge, you can give to the poor, you can do all these things and feel so disconnected from the Lord, but you cannot pray rightly and be disconnected from God. There's no way. And so, so Jesus talks about in John 13, 13 that, that His Word must abide in us and that through asking in His name whatsoever we desire that much fruit would come. I want to be a fruitful Christian. I don't want to be fruitless. And fruitfulness is always rooted in this. Christ, come. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Use me. Uh, uh, cultivate me. Sanctify me. Uh, uh, rip out anything in my life that is unbelonging to you. Lord, use me. I don't want to do things in my own mind, my own strength, my own presumption. I need Him and Him alone. And so, um, it's that form of prayer that we must be discipled in, and we must disciple others. We must, um, if we ever have children. Today, I prayed for my son, and I prayed that the mercy of God would be upon my son. And it was beautiful. He's only four years old, and he asked me, Dad, what's mercy? And I, I explained to him very, you know, in a childlike way. You know, mercy is when, like, son, do you remember sometimes when daddy gets you in trouble because you, you might do, you know, you do bad things or you don't listen? He said, yes. And I'm like, okay. Well, have you ever, uh, like, are, do you remember times when you did bad things and I told you I was going to do something but I didn't do it? So yes. Well, that's mercy. <laughs> and God is very merciful. God is very merciful. And um, so it says, Train up a child in the ways of the Lord, and when he grows older, he shall not depart. And so <clears throat> you might say, Well, I'm never going to lead a prayer meeting. But if we ever have children, then, you know, we're going to have to lead them. You get what I'm saying? And so uh, number four, do we get that point? Um, is See, if, if we're by ourselves... We can't disciple ourselves. So we have to come into a gathering to where it's modeled for us and we're trained in it. And um, yeah, so number four is corporate prayer strengthens a weakened faith. So why, why is corporate prayer so important? Because sometimes you don't have the faith. If we're honest, we don't have the faith to pray ourselves. Or maybe 
we we have continued to ask the Lord for the same thing time and time again. And we're like, man, things are not changing. What's the problem here? I need to rely, I, I need to lean into my brother's faith. I need to lean into my sister's faith a little bit and borrow their faith and that they can have faith for me in this moment because I'm, I'm, I'm leaking it a little bit. And there's no shame in that. We need to be able to do that. We need to be able to have an environment where if we are feeling weak, we can lean into our brother and our sister. And that's the beauty of having solid brothers and sisters in our lives is if we need prayer, we can say, look, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going through something right now. Can you please help me? And that's, and, and Jesus is okay with that because the Bible tells us that this is actually biblical and it's honoring the God. And what happens in that environment is our love for one another grows because as someone comes to your aid in prayer and says, I will help pray for you if you're lacking in faith or if you're being attacked or whatever the reason is, if there's a shortage of supplies um, and they come to your aid, it shows that you haven't been abandoned. And, And the more someone comes to your aid, the more you appreciate that 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 presence in your life that that individual that face because it sh- it's a demonstration that they actually care it's a demonstration that they actually care you know and i say this not boastingly trust me i want you guys to understand where i'm coming from i know you guys know uh, that i don't but uh, just as an example i often have people who dm me asking me for prayer and um even people who don't join these gatherings and it's because they they know that I talk about it a lot and that I won't just not do it you know um and that that's an that's an honorable thing and my hope is that the same would be for you guys that they would see that you know sister Natalia actually prays brother Kezron actually prays when I ask them and so I'm going to return to them because I actually get something out of their help in prayer. And they actually do it when they say they will do it. You know, (laughs) it's sad. But you know on Facebook when someone passes away and they're like, prayers. It's like, bro, you know you ain't praying. It's just, it's what people say. (laughs) Prayers. It's like a lot of them ain't even saved and they're saying, (laughs) I don't want those, who are you praying to? You're praying to the tree or Mother Earth. Who you? I don't need those prayers. <laughs> it's just a nicer way of saying my condolences to you. <laughs> so God forbid that that we treat each other like that. Like, hey, you know, brother, I'm going through condolences, prayers. <laughs> no. So number four, corporate prayer strengthens weakened faith. Uh, Number five is corporate prayer can facilitate corporate repentance. And I I want for us to turn to Ezra chapter 7. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. And this is actually, it's it's a biblical um, concept to repent publicly. 
I can find this, man. Ezra is one of those difficult books to find. I think it's near Nehemiah. Okay, I found it. Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. It says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching his decrees and laws in Israel. Um, hold on one second. Is it 7.10 or 9.10? Oh no, I'm sorry, 9.10, my apologies. Chapter 9, verse 10. It says, But now, our God, what can we say after this? For we have forsaken the commands you gave through your servants, the prophets, when you said, The land you are entering to possess is a, is a land polluted by the corruption of its peoples, by their detestable practices. They have filled it with their impurity from one end to the other. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage. And so then he's instructing the people, but he's repenting on, on behalf of the people. This is actually a corporate event. I want us also to turn to Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 2. We'll just read two other passages. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 2. It's right after Ezra. Those of Isra uh, Israelite descent had separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood in their places and confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. Okay. Uh, they stood where they were and read from the book of the law of the Lord their God for a quarter of the day and spent another quarter in confession and in worshiping the Lord their God. Okay, last verse is Daniel chapter 9, verse 11. That's after Ezekiel. Daniel chapter 9, verse 11. Okay. If we're there, it reads, All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. Therefore the curses and sworn judgments written in the law of Moses, a servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. And so Daniel is, is confessing the sins of, of his people. And um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel are all praying this. And so... There, it's a corporate confession, and and the Lord requires this. In fact, remember in Second Chronicles, chapter seven, verse nineteen, if I'm not mistaken, it says, "If my people who are called by my name," he says, "my people." That means plurality. There's there's more than one. Not if one of my people. He says, "If my people who are called by my name would seek my face, humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways," he says. Then will I forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And so he requires, at times, corporate confession. 
Okay, and there's there's strength in that. And so, what's the point again? The fifth point is that corporate prayer can facilitate corporate repentance. And so, we've seen from three different verses that this is actually a biblical concept, and we want to do this. And um, and and God tends to bless lands because of this. He says, if if my people are called by my name, he didn't, he didn't say the world. He said, my people are called by my name. He said, if they would forsake their sin, humble themselves, confess them, and 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 seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. He says, not only will I forgive their sin, but I will actually heal their land. And so, <clears throat> as fervent as someone's prayer life is, that's why one person won't be enough. There are times where God requires an entire assembly to intercede on the behalf of a land for God to begin to heal it. Um, and I, we have th- three more points and then we'll come to a close. Is Number six, corporate prayer creates a sense of expectancy. Psalm chapter 5 verse 3. And the reason why is sometimes our own prayer life can ebb and wane and and we can have a diminished expectancy. But there's something very unique about when there's a scheduled event that happens on a weekly basis and there's other people involved, then the level of expectancy at least should increase or help to increase your expectancy because you know that there is strength in numbers and and like for example my sister my cousin came to speak this Saturday I was an expectation you know I, I could have expected from the Lord to do good things by myself you know just praying by myself but I was blessed and and Jesus honors that expectation remember that he went to his own hometown and he couldn't do mighty works because their faith wasn't there. It was absent. Why? Because they were walking in offense. Why were they offended? Because it was someone they knew from their own hometown. And they said, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this little Jesus? And so they had an offended heart and that's what prevented them from actually receiving uh, what Christ had to give them by faith and uh you know so their dishonor of jesus is actually the very reason why they couldn't receive from jesus and that's the sad reality is that you can be as anointed as you possibly can and there will be some people in your own hometown that you know who will not receive you and the people who do they draw on you you can feel virtue leaving your body because and it's a biblical thing it says that virtue had gone out from Jesus and he knew that there was someone special that had touched him out of everybody like who is that you know in fact from one of my experiences when I was going into the juvenile hall um <coughs> I remember I was just praying <coughs> one of the brothers was speaking and uh, there was this girl and uh, you know it's funny too because she had like a mean mug on her, like just lo- looked like she wasn't interested. But that's what her face was showing. But in her heart, I knew the Lord told me that's one of my chosen vessels, and she's hanging on to every word that you guys are speaking. 
And then I told the brother, I said, you know, that, that girl, and I felt her tugging. I felt her tugging on me by the spirit. I felt her drawing stuff from us. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me. And I told the brother afterward, I said, you know, that girl to the left that looked like she was disinterested? I said, you watch her. Because they, they had an option to go. They didn't have to come. I said, you watch her come every every gathering. I said, the Lord, the Lord has chosen her. And uh, sure enough, every single gathering she was there. And more and more she began to open up. And she... And on one occasion, I believe we prayed for her. She even just started broke broke down crying. And so it was was a real beautiful thing. But her heart was receiving what we had. And so it draws on the anointing in you. And that's why when people who don't receive you, the heavens become as brass. And there's no anointing that flows. No anointing. And it isn't because you aren't anointed. It's because the people that you're around is stifling that gift and don't want to receive from you because it's you. On one other occasion, I remember I was speaking at the juvenile hall. <coughs> and there was this new girl. And um, and um, and mind you, there's plenty of other faces. But I, I remember I remember seeing her and the Holy Spirit highlighted her to me. And she she was like desperately clinging to everything. I felt it by the Spirit. And then the Lord told me some some things about her life personally. And um I shared that. And it was it was so cool because um she broke down right there in front of the guards and you know in front of all the other inmates and she's all how do you know me? <laughs> And she just broke down weeping. But I didn't know her. You know, this is my first time ever seeing her. But the reason why the Lord had gave that word to her is because she was drawing on the anointing. Because the Holy Spirit said, oh, scanning the whole room and seeing a hungry heart says, I'm I'm going to speak to you because you're hungry. I'm going to pay attention to you because you're hungry. And so then I prophesied to her that she was going to get out the following week. She left. She wasn't there. And so, um, yeah, so there was, it, God is good like that. He, he, you know, he, he, he honors the hungry heart. And so corporate gatherings, that's all to say that when we come to a corporate gathering, the level of expect, uh, expectancy rises. Psalm 5 verse 3 says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. I wait expectantly. Why? Because we know and we can have confidence in God that if we come to Him, we can expect something. There is something we can always expect from the hand of God and He will never leave us destitute. He will never leave us without. He will never leave us lacking. He is faithful to always bestow. But here's the thing. There are some things that God will only bestow in a corporate gathering. You know why? Because your blessing is locked behind your intention to foster unity, to create unity, to embrace unity. And that's why Jesus says, he says, asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking the door will be open. He says, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks the door will be open. He says, therefore I tell you, he says right there in the context of prayer, therefore I tell you, if you have, uh, uh, he says, therefore I tell you, 
If you need to forgive anybody, and as you stand there praying, forgive that your Father may forgive you. And so he's assuming that your relationships with other people was good. Can you repeat that for me, please? The last part you just said. <clears throat> yeah, you know, um, the, uh, in the verse. Uh huh. Let, let, Jesus. Yeah, let let us just actually quickly turn to Matthew where it's where it's at. <coughs> it's in um, <clears throat> Matthew chapter six. Um, Matthew chapter six verse eight. Well, actually, let, just um. Verse 6, actually. Chapter 6, verse 6. says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. When you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Real quickly, I want to say this. Because people say, the people like to object to me and say, you pray too long. Aren't you violating this passage here where Jesus says, don't be like the pagans who think they're heard for their many words? See, what they fail to understand is, I don't think I am heard for my many words. I know I'm heard because of the cross. Therefore, I offer many words because I have many requests. I don't think that, God, you're going to hear me because I say this a thousand times. I know I'm already heard. Therefore, I will pray um, with persistence. And Jesus tells us to pray with persistence. In the garden, when Jesus prayed, he prayed the same things, and I can show you, but I won't, um, that it says that he prayed the same thing for the third time. And you know how long he prayed for each time, each interval? He was praying an hour each. We know this because he says, could you not pray for me at least one hour? Then it said he returned back to praying. Saying the same thing, O oh, Father, if it is your will, if there's any other way you can remove this cup, let it be so, but nevertheless not my will but yours. And so, because we are heard, we offer many words. But verse 8, it says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So notice in the Lord's Prayer, He's assuming that you're forgiving other people. He's assuming, because if you haven't, then your sins won't be forgiven. Verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So where is this coming from? Why why is why is talk this talk of forgiveness like plucked out of thin air? It's not because it has relationship with prayer. And so that means that assumes we're in relationship with other believers. Right? We're in relationship with other believers and it's assumed that sometimes, you know, you're going to transgress against your believe uh, your brother and vice versa. Uh, you might I might transgress against you and we have to Continue to say, you know what? These relationships are worth it. I'm going to continue to strive for unity. I'm going to continue to forgive you. Why? Not because I'm such a forgiving person, but because Christ forgave me. That is my motivation. Jesus, you forgave my great debt. I'm going to forgive my brother. I'm going to forgive my sister. And may they forgive me too. And so when we forgive each other, you know what that does? That prevents our prayers from being hindered. 
That's what he said to Peter. Uh, that's what Peter said. He says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, lest your prayers be hindered. So you can hinder your own prayers. Why? Because you become cancerous and you fight against the own body. You fight against the body of the Lord. And so you actually end up attacking the body. And it says, Paul says, Beware lest you bite and devour each other. You know, so Jesus assumes that our hearts are forgiving when we're coming to him seeking for forgiveness. And so that means, once again, this all to reinforce this point. How, why would there be need, a need for, for forgiveness if you're not in relationship with other people? Okay, If you're in relationship to other believers, and we're talking about prayer, that involves other believers, that means that we should be praying with other people. And as we stand there praying, that we're forgiving them in our hearts. You know, I, I, I'm going to share one experience. I remember one time some years back when we had a prayer meeting. And I was so disappointed because I was going to the prayer meeting expecting to receive from God. And um, I didn't know this, but <coughs> I felt something in my spirit. I felt something was off, man, like really off. And I actually had a word. Um, I didn't know what it was related to because the Bible says, For we know in part and we see in part and we prophesy in part. So, But I knew someone in the camp was living in sin. I just didn't know what it was. And it was a verse from Revelation the Lord had me cite. And it said... Um, Something about strengthen what remains, for if you don't repent, I will remove your lampstand. And uh, and then at that moment, one of the sisters began weeping, like crying. And I was like, yo, like, what is she doing? Like, I, I know this is for her now, but what is she doing? Like, you know, come to find out that her and the drummer were fornicating and having sex at her house. You know, so... They were, they, the prayer meeting was at their house, but they were living in fornication. And so, you know, we would gather at their house and I'm like, man, this is, this feels off. What? And, and normally we would have it at the pastor's house, but I think we were swapping houses, you know, take turns and <coughs> it felt off. Well, it's because they uh their the prayers were hindered the prayers were hindered because there was idolatry in the camp you know and so um yeah it's it's like um when Joshua i forgot where it was i think it might have been the judges or it might have been in Joshua they couldn't advance against the army because someone was hiding i think is it, it was i don't forgot the man's name but he was hiding idols and they couldn't advance, and they sought the Lord. Why is this? Why is this happening? He says, you know, so and so is hiding, is hoarding idols, and so. Um, but yeah, number six is corporate prayer creates a sense of expectancy. Have <coughs> here as believers continue to regularly gather for intentional times of corporate prayer, a sense of expectation arises. Okay, now uh, we have two more points. And then th number seven is this. There is strength in the prayers of many. You're a match. I'm a match. We're all matches. Together we create wildfires. 
Okay, so where is this at? <clears throat> Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. If you can turn there. <coughs> Acts chapter 12, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison... But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So they're gathering together for a prayer meeting for the sole purpose to, to, to see Peter's release. And they didn't just say they were praying. It says earnestly praying. That means their whole heart is in this. And they're coming with this expectation that God is going to answer them. Right? Now, of course... Peter ends up getting released, and they, they suppose it to be his angel. You know, they're praying for it, and they're actually surprised by the answer to their prayer. Um, if you turn down to verse... Um, where is it at? <clears throat> verse 13, it says, Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Isn't that funny? Like, Peter is literally knocking on the door, and they are prayerfully knocking on the door. I just thought that was interesting. They're they're knocking on the door of prayer, expecting his release, and he's knocking on their door. <laughs> um, but Acts chapter twelve, verse five. So <clears throat> it says that they were earnestly praying, and it, and, and it attributes the answer. It accredits the answer to this praying by the fact that they were gathered together as a group. Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 28. Romans chapter 15, verse 28. I just want to show us a couple of passages to see. Because the more passages we see, it's not that one passage isn't enough for us to know that it's true and it exists. But the more we see, the more times you see something reoccur, then this is how you know that the Bible is actually emphasizing this. You know, money is talked about often. Love is talked about often. Prayer is talked about often. And and so you, you know that these topics are a very stressed and emphasized topic in the scriptures. So Romans chapter 15, verse 28. <clears throat> so after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. So he's saying, join with me in my striving in prayer for this reason. He doesn't say, hey, I don't really need your guys' prayer. I got this. I'm Paul the Apostle. 
Like, I'm the prayer warrior. He doesn't say all that stuff. He's saying, look, I need your help too. Let's join together and God will answer us. And there's many other passages I can show you, but I'll just show you one more. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. <coughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. And this gives us insight into why another reason why corporate prayer is so important. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. It says, um, oops, I was at 1 Corinthians. <clears throat> you said 1 Corinthians instead? Uh, no, I'm sorry. It, it, it's 2 Corinthians. I was in 1 Corinthians about to read. But um, oh. yeah, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. So he's saying, like, we were so afflicted, we didn't even know we were going to live. We couldn't, it wasn't by our strength that we endured. Verse 9, indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Okay, he doesn't say, he doesn't, now, now notice this, he doesn't stop there. He says, we have confidence toward God that he will deliver us again. And he says, in verse 10, on him we have set our hope, and he will continue to, to deliver us. But notice the final clause there. That, that um, In verse 11. As you help us by your prayers. So he doesn't say, hey, God is going to do this. Amen. You know, period. No. He says, God is going to do this as you help us in your prayers. So that would suggest that if you don't help us in your prayers, God ain't going to do it. Let me, okay, so a lot of people have trouble with this because it, 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 it seems to suggest that God is giving too much power in our realm. So you mean to tell me that there are certain things God won't do if you don't pray? Yes, I am telling you that. And I can tell you that the Bible tells us that too. James tells us, you have not because you ask not. And so God doesn't say pray and I will do things for you. But you know what? If you don't pray, it really doesn't matter because I'll still do it anyways. <laughs> he, he doesn't say that. He says, pray, and he will answer. But that, that, that would imply that if we're not praying, God won't do certain things. <laughs> of completing the verse, says, Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in the in answer to the prayers of many. So this is one of the reasons why corporate prayer is so important because he's telling us as God answers, many of us will give thanks. So it won't just be Paul the Apostle saying, thank you Lord for delivering my life. 
It will be many of us, because I'm letting you know, this is why he tells us in verse 8, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about our troubles we experienced in Asia. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant of it. Why? He says, because I want you to be partakers of the thankfulness that we can share toward God for his gracious deliverance on my behalf. Him delivering me as I go in the trenches. And so as I come back to you, we all get to thank the Lord at, look it, he answered our prayers. He brought me safely back to Corinth. And so, in other words, more thanksgiving is being offered to God, and the more there is thanks, God is glorified. So God wants glory from this. And so that's why corporate prayer is so important. So I'll read it once again. As you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us. So he's saying we will thank God for the gracious favor But that gracious favor, he says, is granted us in the answer to the prayers of many. He doesn't say it's an answer to my prayer alone. He says in the prayers of many. (coughs) And so finally, the last point is number uh, point eight. Number eight is it is a platform for prophetic words and for the gift of healing. So. If you turn real quickly to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Prophetic words and thanksgiving, you said? No, uh, prophetic words and um, the gift of healing. Okay, okay. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. It says this. Do not neglect... We'll actually begin at verse 13. Until I come, (coughs) devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through the prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And so, they're in the presence of of the elders here. And, And Paul the Apostle prophesied to Timothy in the presence of the elders. And so, guess what? Now when that prophetic word goes forward, if Timothy can't say, yeah, no one ever gave me that word, there's many people who can attest to that and say, God spoke to you that day. He, He revealed to you what he wants you to do. Right? And so, corporate prayer meetings is very useful for those prophetic words to go forth. You know, because if you're praying by yourself, yeah, God can speak to you individually, but if God speaks to someone else and reveals to them what you're to do that maybe was already on your heart, then it only it adds confirmation and then the the entire group there knows what the will of God is for your life. And so I want us real quickly to turn to Acts chapter 13. <clears throat> Acts chapter 13 verses 1 through 3 I just have this verse and one other and then we're done um, it says now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers Barnabas Simeon called Niger 
Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Verse 2, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So guess what? There's prophets and teachers in this gathering, and the prophets hear from the Lord that God has set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work that he has for them. And after they fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and says, they sent them off to the work that they were to accomplish. And so this corporate prayer meeting is a platform for God to speak to his people specifically. And the reason why he only sometimes speaks to his people in corporate gatherings versus to you alone is that when he does speak to you, you can't say, ah, oh, God never spoke to me. Now there are many witnesses that say, nah, man, God spoke to you. You got to do what he told you to do. Because if he spoke to yourself individually, you can have the option to say, ain't nobody here. Nobody will know. You get what I'm saying? It's easier for you to disobey when you're by yourself. But when there's other people that hold you accountable to the words that go forth, you can't act like it never happened. Especially if we record it on Zoom. (laughs) I'm just just messing. (laughs) Um, Right, Natalia? Um, one last verse though is James chapter 5 verses 14 and 15 it's also a platform for the the gift of healing it says <coughs> is any uh, one among you sick let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well the Lord will raise them up if any if if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. He didn't say, if any among you are sick, let him put hands on his own head. He, he, he doesn't say that. Now, I'm not suggesting that we, we, we can't pray for ourselves because God. there are many times that God will answer your prayer. You know, if you're sick, God will answer it. But there are some things obviously we see here that God will only answer if you ask other people to help you pray or help pray for you. The reason why I can say this is why would God tell us in his word to do this if he had no reason for us to do it? He didn't tell us to do it so we can disobey it or just discard it and say, Well, I can just do that by myself. It really doesn't matter if I ask other people to pray for me. And so the reason why God has this is so you can avoid individualism and independence. God wants us dependent upon each other, not in an unhealthy way. Ultimately, our rest and our dependence comes is resting in God. But God often uses people and he wants us to have a healthy dependence on each other first god ultimately on him but um a unified christ exalting god loving uh cooperation with each other because you'll see that 
Christianity disconnected from our relationship to each other isn't a Christianity. Because Christianity says that we are the body of Christ. And if we are the body, then that means I can't be mobile as one member of that body. I as an I can't just roll to the grocery store. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I have to be connected to the face. The face has to be connected to the neck and the neck and so forth. You get the analogy. The point though is that God wants us to mobilize together. That doesn't mean we don't have our individual lives. It means that our individual lives is incomplete, disconnected with the body he wants us to join with in love. <clears throat> and so... um. Let me just, um, well, I'll just recap and give the overview. Number one, corporate prayer unifies the body of Christ. <coughs> Number two, it helps to edify and encourage those who participate. Number three, it, it is a platform for others to grow and be discipled in prayer. Number four, it strengthens weakened faith. Number five, it can facilitate corporate repentance. Number six, it creates a sense of expectancy. Number seven, there is strength in the prayers of many. And then number eight, it is, the pl it is a platform for healing and the prophetic. And so now as we come to a close, <coughs> I want us to <coughs> understand, hey, this is really important. And the reason why we have to understand its importance is, sadly, we live in a, in a world today that not everybody in the body of Christ believes it is. And they think it's, it's optional, or they can do without it, but you can't, you can't do without it. I remember Apostle Selman said this, if God has called you to start a church, you do not get a banner, put it on a church building and say, hey, we have church service next week. He says, no, every church always begins in a prayer meeting. You see Acts chapter 2 that the church was birthed in prayer. That's how the church sprang to come into existence. You see Jesus prayed all night and then after his prayer all night he selected his disciples. And so it's always birthed there. It says if the Lord doesn't build the house, the laborers labor in vain. And so, oh go ahead brother. <clears throat> yeah, that's, that explains why it feels funny to just walk in any church and just for it to just feel like church. It has to be built up. So yeah, all of that makes sense to me. Exactly. Here's the reason why is because <coughs> prayer is an altar. And what altars do is help to lay foundations. If you look in Genesis, um, Abraham or Noah after the flood, he created an altar. And that served as a memorial unto God. And because of his prayer on that altar, from that point forward, God, it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord and had promised, had made a covenant, he will never flood the entire earth again. And so uh, that created a foundation, a covenant, a contract that God will never break. And so when we, when we offer up these altars of prayer, foundations are laid and the reason why many churches don't succeed is is because they don't lay that foundation it's not a foundation that is laid it's not birth in intercession is not birth in fervent and earnest praying and so it's all it's all supplied by gimmicks or 
resources or other organizations who promise to help them. So the help is from man, but it's not from the Lord, even though they're doing it in the name of the Lord. And so, um, yes, and that's why it has to be there. It has to start there. That's why in everything you do, whether it's a marriage, you pray about it. You Or David, he never gone to war without asking and inquiring of the Lord. Do I go here? Do I war against these people? If the Lord said no, David wouldn't go. If the Lord said yes, you will recover all. So he's laying the foundation. God is the author of this work and he will complete it. That's what prayer does. It is, is an implicit admission. God, this is all yours and I am just yielding to you and your directives. Amen. <clears throat> and so um and so in closing I want to say this um <clears throat> I, I should have defined what corporate is. Corporate doesn't have to be five hundred people, it doesn't have to even be fifty people. It can just be three people and it begin there. And so I bring this up because I want to encourage us to not to not forsake it but also be advocates for corporate prayer. May this be in our language and 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 to instruct other believers and especially, you know, um, you know, sister Natalia, I know that you have your group and 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 Julia meets, you know, with a couple of uh of, of sisters as well, but even brother Kezron if if you know a, a saint there in your local, you know, there in Arkansas or even if you know a brother that he's like, "Hey man, um I'm wanting to learn a little bit more of prayer, like that too. Just that two gathered is is a strengthened uh, group, and and it's this corporate prayer that helps to impact our region. So as you gather together, you're praying for the governments, you're praying for your city, you're praying for believers, you're praying for your own needs, and this is what helps to advance the kingdom of God. And so, yes, is secret and individual prayer important? Absolutely. But may we never say, I don't need to pray corporately. Let us be advocates of it. Let us teach it and let us practice it. And, and if Lord willing, does ever have any of you lead one there in your region, then may your hearts open up to that and say, God, would you want me to do something like this? Would you want me, even if it's on Zoom or if it, you know, sometimes... Um, it may even have to be just a phone call, you know, uh, you know, a three-way phone call or two-way phone call. If if push comes to shove, maybe you guys are real, really busy, but um, but to open up your hearts and and ask the Lord, do you, do you want me to to do you want me to pray and uh, but uh, in, in a corporate fashion or help to lead it? And you may not, Lord may not be requiring that you do that, but just um, to open up our hearts, nevertheless, and. Um, so, with that said, um, I'll come to... Recording stopped.